Let me ask you something. Could you tell if teeth marks on somebody's arm matched teeth marks on a pencil? It's possible. Roll up your sleeve. Somebody bit you? <laughs> well, not just someone. John Voigt. John Voigt bit you? Yeah, yeah. The pencil. Hey, hey! Get the pencil out of your mouth! You get destroyed! John Voigt's teeth marks! John Voigt's pencil. That's right. I got his whole car downstairs. <laughs> Are you the one who bought his LeBaron convertible? Yes! Yes, I'm the one! Hey! Do you know John Boyce? Yes, yes. I went to dental school with him. John Boyce, the actor? Oh, the periodontist. Hello, and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome writer and performer Nancy Balbirer. Nancy first appeared in the classic season six episode, The Mom and Pop Store. She then returned to the show three years later to play one of George's co-workers at Play Now in the classic season nine episodes, The Butter Shave and The Voice. And we're so happy she can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Nancy. Oh, my gosh. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're delighted to have you. Uh, so can you take us through the events that led you to getting your first audition for Seinfeld? Yes. Oh, my goodness. My first audition, I'd come in for a general with the casting director. Um, I was an actor out of New York. I'd been out visiting, and I got in to see uh, Brian Myers, who was the casting director of Seinfeld. Great guy. He loved me. It was, it was as they used to say back then, a love fest. And he brought me in right away. And I had, at that point, while I had done an after-school special, I had never auditioned for a proper sitcom before. And I was very sort of stunned to see, even though I was very used to performing from the time I was a kid, I was sort of stunned to see the entire writing staff of which it was all men and one lone woman at the time. Um, Marjorie, whose last name I can't remember now, but she- Uh, Marjorie Gross. That's it, Marjorie Gross, who I loved, um, was no longer with us. Uh, But it was all Jewish guys and Marjorie. (laughs) Um, And I was absolutely rattled by this. I I was so scared that I couldn't even look at them. And I just kept my eyes on Brian Myers and whatever. I thought I bombed this audition. I didn't get it, but they were like, oh no, we loved her. We'll bring her back. And sure enough, when I moved out to LA in uh, just after Labor Day, September, 1994, a few days later, I'd gotten my first job I auditioned for. And then a few days later, I auditioned for my second time for Seinfeld. And this time, I went in very armed. I knew what was going to be in the room. I knew Jerry would be there. I knew Larry would be there. Um, but I, this time I had my hair blown out. And I wore a wonder bra, the very low-cut T-shirt. And for the very first time ever, I put in the fake, like, chicken cutlets to make my tits <laughs> look bigger. So I was like, I had my armor on and I walked in and unlike the first time, I actually looked at the guys in the room and Marjorie and said, hi, 
<laughs> and, and they were so smiley. And I was like, okay, I'm off to the races. Sat down, did the scene, and it was um, the thing, John Voight. John Voight, uh, he thinks he's bought John Voight the actor's car. And um, I did the other thing that I knew that I had to do, which was look up on the joke. This is something that all anybody trying out for a classic sitcom needs to know. It doesn't matter how unfunny or funny you think it is. The point is, is that when you get to the joke line, look up and say it real loud. And all of the guys and Marjorie laughed because they wrote it. Right. <laughs> anyway, before I got home, I had the call on my back then. We had answering machines that I got, uh, that I booked the gig. And um, I have to tell you that my first experience and all of my experiences on that show were tremendous. They, they were literally the nicest people, some of the nicest people I've ever worked with. That's awesome. So it, was a very, it was a very happy time. Do you remember what your first audition was for Seinfeld? I don't remember. Uh, I okay, don't remember, fine. but it was, I think it was, I still think it was that season. And I also think Brian had had just met me and he was just kind of, he just thought I was right for it. You know, he thought Jerry tended to, I don't know if you've heard this from other people, but he tended to like to hire girls from New York. He had a very specific kind of thing about that. And it was 1994 was not so far out of the 80s. And there was a way that he saw girls from New York. He was from New York. He just kind of wanted authentic New York chicks, I think. Makes so sense. I, I think Brian just thought, well, she's really an authentic New York chick. You know, how do I how do I get her in here? I'm not sure I really was right for whatever that was. But I also kind of sucked. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, to be honest. Were you familiar with Seinfeld at all before you auditioned for it? You know, I, I I sort of hate to admit this, but I had never, in fact, seen an episode of Seinfeld before I auditioned for Seinfeld. I knew, though, that it was a huge show and everyone, everyone in my family, people in my life, it was all anybody ever talked about. I was sort of fancying myself an artiste at the time. I was very much a theater actor. I I wasn't watching TV, even though as a child, I grew up watching all the classic sitcoms and loved them. Um, so no, I had never seen an episode of Seinfeld until I was on one. And so what was your impression of the show once you got there and you read the script and you got to know the cast and all that? I, I thought it was great. I thought it was super farcical. I thought it was I thought it was funny that the the kind of line about Seinfeld was that it was about nothing because I thought that that was just something they said to sound cool, but it really was about so much more than nothing. And um, I loved the friendships. I loved the friendships of the characters and the wackiness of the characters, but my first experience of Seinfeld was actually the real people and there were certain things that were that I found were true like for example Jerry really does eat cereal 
you know, or he did, <laughs> certainly did back then. He really, when I first actually had a conversation with him, he was eating a bowl of cereal. Um, <laughs> my first day at rehearsal, like the first day on the set, he was there with his bowl and he was like, oh, there she is. <laughs> um, they treated me like I was one of them. They, they, and this is not like other shows, certainly at the time where, you know, you walk onto a set where there's regulars and there's very much a difference between the guests and, and the regulars. They did not make me feel like that at all. They made me feel like I was totally one of them. You know, I was invited to everything. They were helpful, gave me advice. Um, my first episode on the show, Larry was still running the show and he was so unlike that character that he plays now on his show <laughs> he I mean I'm sure he has his like curmudgeonly moments but he was the sweetest nicest man he didn't strike me as angry or you know any of that the the only one who was sort of like who they really are is Jerry you know um but nicer again everybody was very warm yeah that's what we've heard is that was one unique thing about Seinfeld behind the scenes is that they were very welcoming, very warm, and that they really made you feel like you were a part of the family. And yes. there was no there was no ego trips going on. It wasn't like Jerry was, you no. know, oh, I'm the big star here. And yeah. No, in fact, I have a good story about that. I came in at one point, and you know, it, this was done um, at uh, in the Valley, in Studio City, and it was sweltering. You know, it was it was just a very hot day, as they tend to be. And um, in my little trailer, the air conditioning was broken. So I came in and, and I was talking to the AD about that. And Jerry overheard me and he said, well, let me take a look. I mean, the star of the show. <laughs> now, and this time he was eating a turkey sandwich. He was eating a lot. <laughs> Uh, he came out with me to my trailer, said, hold this about his turkey sandwich. He stepped on the little like vanity stool that I had in there and played with the thing in the ceiling and which was the, I don't know. And I guess I, it, it, there was a vent that needed to be open. Anyway, he fixed my air conditioning. So wow. no, there was no ego trips. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> no ego trips at all. <laughs> How many people can say that Jerry Seinfeld uh, fixed the air conditioner for them in their trailer? <laughs> I'm not sure even his wife at this point uh, could say that he fixes the air conditioning because I would <laughs> I would be shocked if he's still doing that. But I mean, he was still he at that time he was still successful. But I mean, I don't know, it was crazy. Uh, but I dined out on that story. <laughs> oh, that's long. great. And still am clearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it's interesting because some actors we've talked to who were in a scene of an episode only came in for their scene and then they left and then others stayed for the entire week. So what was your experience yeah. like in your, the first episode that you appeared in? The first episode uh, was great. I was there for the whole week. The director was Andy Ackerman, as I believe was the director for even the other ones that I did. Really nice guy. I remember that they had um, H&H bagels were shipped in 
I don't know if you've heard this, but Jerry was very, very like no can do on the L.A. bagel situation. (laughs) (laughs) So he had bagels overnighted every day uh, from New York, which was which was, you know, this is pre gold belly. And like we 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 are very spoiled now with with like how things get delivered. This was absolutely a rarity, you know, there was also, uh, before the taping, there was a Chinese food dinner, uh, which I was invited to. Um, so again, it was a very, it was a super New York vibe. The week was, was great. I remember um, that Michael Richards, who was absolutely nothing like that character, like he was the most different from the character that he played, sweet, gentle, very into yoga and like health food, as I recall. Like we talked about Erewhon, you know, and but he watched my rehearsals and gave me, you know, very like incredibly sweet, helpful, like not at all douchey notes, very supportive. Uh, most of my stuff was for that first episode was with Michael and Jason and they were just great. They were so nice, but it was in this big, um, party scene. So Jerry and, um, and Julia were there. They were all just so nice. I mean, that, that is my, my sort of abiding memory of them was how incredibly nice, incredibly classy um, I do remember that Jerry, Jerry could get bored a lot having to rehearse. I don't know if you've heard that. It didn't come as naturally to him to have to do this kind of thing. I mean, by the time I was there, he was seasoned, but he would get bored at having to rehearse. <laughs> um, he would be the one who fucked up the most out of everybody, you know. But again, we're not talking about big fight. It's just that, you know. The people around him were just so kind of used to performing, used to acting, you know. I remember that, you know, they it's taped live and they bring you out uh, in front of the audience. And the way he introduced me was like I was some great actor from, you know, <laughs> from New York or whatever. And I was this kid, you know. Um, and I remember after shooting, after my scene was done, after it was done, that Larry hugged me. Oh, wow. That's he awesome. Did a great job. Did a great job. I mean, he knew it was my first time doing a sitcom. So that was great. And I was very surprised when a few years later they called me. I didn't, I didn't come in to audition again. Yeah. I was like, it wasn't to, to play the person I'd played before, which would have made sense. It was to play a completely different person over the course of two episodes. So that was just very surprising. You're what they refer to in Seinfeld as a double dipper. You're an actress or yes. actor that played two different characters in the series. That's right. I did. The first time, and by the way, originally the character was t- named Terry. That I remember. And Terry was uh, Tim, the dentist, dental hygienist. Tim was played by Brian Cranston. 
course, yeah. Okay, and that so that's like Brian Cranston. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that was funny. I think I was later in the credits, though. I think it just says lady at party or girl at party or something like that. So not sure how that goes, but I, I was originally cast and had a name. The other thing you need to know is that when I was cast for all three of these things, they were much bigger parts. Everything got sort of super shrunk down. <laughs> um, and they would say, you know, I, I remember that after the first one, I was really depressed about it. But um, they were like, oh, no, 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 it's 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 not you. It's us. You know, it's like they were like, you know, we have to everything has to get focused on the main four. Plus, there's commercials and blah, blah, blah. So everything gets shrunk down. And. Um, I don't know. I had a much bigger part that I auditioned for. It seemed like a bigger deal, which might have been why I was there for a week. Each for, for three weeks, three weeks, you know, the second and third time I was there two weeks in a row. OK, three years later. Oh, and do you remember some of the other things that were included in that first episode, the mom and pop store, like some of the other things that your character had to do? I just remember it was a bigger scene. There was more. There was more to it. But I don't. I don't remember. I know I have the script. Yeah. I kept that. <laughs> I kept several versions of it because, you know, and, and the other thing is back then, <laughs> this feels like a, a very long time ago because, you know, now things get sent to actors electronically. Your new script after they would do the writers would do rewrites would be delivered to you every day by messenger. You know, so that was like, you know, it was like the Pony Express. I mean, it was like really, really old school. But no, I, I don't. I, I remember the table read, um, which was fun and scary because the suits are there. They're all sitting, you know, around. Uh, I remember there were a lot of like it was it was a lot of laughs, which was great. Oh, the other thing that's funny about this is that I had actually met Jerry years before in the late 80s. I was I'd gone to school with Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler had been doing, you know, his routine at Catch a Rising Star, one of those places in New York. And Jerry came in. And it was like mm -hmm. a very big deal when he would sort of deign to come in at that point because he was, the, you know, he was a famous stand up and he had been on the road and whatever and he was very old school like he came into the club dressed up like in a suit which is how he continues to do his stand up like it's a real like he was like in a jacket and all of the other comics were in like sort of sweatpants and jeans and even the women I mean this was like I saw you know, um, Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen DeGeneres doing their their act. So anyway, I mean, but it was funny because I had met him before. So I, I did know that he was a big stand up. Um, so that was exciting. It was exciting to meet him on that level. And I and I never told him that I'd met him previously. He was easy to talk to, but I it just I, I it was like very like, I don't want to tell him that I I don't know. It just was like, I guess I got bashful. Yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> and going back to that party scene, do you remember how many takes you shot of that scene? 
I don't remember, but I do remember that there were a lot of laughs. Uh, I remember that because it was, it was a big sort of sight gag. It was, it was a big party scene and it was kind of the culmination of the episode. Elaine was having hearing issues because she'd gone to some thing where she'd sat next to the horns, uh, something like that. Yeah, she was at a concert at the Dixieland Deli, and they were playing right in her ear. (laughs) That's it. And so she couldn't hear that he was actually asking her out or whatever, and so she's like, no, or whatever. And then there was... There was an award that got that that fell out of the window onto the onto the floats. Yeah, onto the Woody Woodpecker balloon. That's (laughs) it. That's it. I don't remember, but one thing that was super cool for me was that it was a November's what was known as November sweeps. It was a sweeps episode. So it came out. It was a Thanksgiving episode, and it came out right around that time of Thanksgiving. And I, the, the clip of me saying, wait a second, John Voight bit you was the thing that was in the, the promo, the commercial. <laughs> like, so for a whole week, everybody was seeing me. So the, the illusion that the part was big was still there. And I, by the way, did not know that the entire thing was cut until I saw it air. Like, I, I didn't know how much had been reduced of this part. And certainly nobody would know that based upon the fact that I had this line that was in the in the promos, all the promos on other shows, on, you know, anything that was coming up to this. And again, kids now, I don't even know if they know what that what that looks like, you know, a promo for because they don't even watch commercials, you know. Right. Um, so did you or any of the other actors have any difficulty shooting that scene at all? Um, I was petrified. That I remember because, uh, you know, it was like I was used to performing live, but not live with cameras, um, which I think is why Larry hugged me. But I do sort of vaguely recall that that Julia, that, you know, there was a lot of bi- business going on in the scene. It was a very sort of chaotic scene that everything comes to kind of uh, everything from the episode kind of comes together in that one scene. And there was a lot to kind of choreograph about it. So I I sort of remember Julia having a moment where, but again, all of this was like, it was funny. Like anytime somebody would fuck up, it would be funny. Right. But I don't remember how many times we actually had to do it. Um, a few. I do remember the audience being absolutely apoplectic, like just so enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. And since that was such a busy scene and there was there was so much going on, do you remember specifically like how Andy Ackerman was directing that scene? If he gave any notes or any kind of direction towards certain actors? I don't remember specifics of of that except that Andy was the most chill director he was chill he always laughed he um could not have been nicer again that's not always the case you hope that that's the case with with um with comedies 
but it's funny because my my husband is um, the co-creator of Grace and Frankie, and Andy Ackerman actually came to direct some uh, one, if not more than one episode of that. And so I got to say hi to him again, and he was super chill and super relaxed, just just like he is, you know. He I think he directed quite a lot, if not. If not all, he directed a lot of Seinfeld, but he oh, was yeah. super, he was super relaxed. And I do remember also the other thing about that first episode is that, as I said, Larry was um, still on the show then as, and he was not later. And even though the, the writer who was credited um, was on the set, I don't remember really talking to him I don't remember that at all. I do remember hanging out a lot with, with Marjorie. She was wonderful. And uh, I, I specifically hung out with her. And Larry was very present. I got my notes from Larry. I, I, I might have gotten some something from Andy, but if anything, it was it was so minor that I wouldn't I wouldn't really remember it. Larry was the one who was really driving everything. So we mentioned him a little bit before, but this was Brian Cranston's first episode of the series. Yeah. Do you have any memories of him that week? Oh, just a sweet guy. Just a, I, I, we didn't really like we just we ate together. You know, we we hung out that way. We hung out watching, you know, other people's rehearsals or whatever. Just a sweet guy. We didn't really get into too much. But I mean, I was just really surprised at what he did later, you know, I mean, he's a great actor, but it's oh, just yeah. funny to me because <laughs> it's just funny that he was Tim, the dentist. Oh yeah. And he did so well in that part. He's <laughs> so well in that part. And I also hung out with the guy who played putty. Oh yeah. Yeah. Patrick. Patrick I hung Warburg, out with Patrick yeah. a lot. Yeah. I hung out with him a ton. That's awesome. In fact, I'm going to dinner tonight at a restaurant that Patrick turned me on to. Patrick turned me on to it because he used to live above it. Oh, wow. It's in, it's in Santa Monica Canyon, and it's called Cafe Delfini. And he's the one who turned me on to this place. He's like, oh, yeah, you got to go, blah, blah, blah. But we spent a lot of time eating together. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he's a cool guy to hang out with, too. Very, very. Oh, so nice. So nice. <laughs> I don't think there was anybody that I dealt with. Uh, oh, one other thing that's really funny about that I do remember. See, all this stuff comes back when you guys are asking me. The other thing that Jerry had a, a, a real thing about was he did not, again, we were coming out of the 80s. 94 was still sort of close, I think, to the 80s. And Jerry had a real thing about 80s hair on women. He did not want the women on the show to have big 80s sprayed fake looking hair. He was against that. And when they first did my hair, he sent me back to makeup, to hair and makeup and said, do it again. Because, wow. you know, he he was, as I said, really nice, really chill. But he had this thing about the hair and he was like, nope, <laughs> I, I hate that hair. <laughs> like it was just too big. Nope. Do you have a favorite memory from that week? 
him fixing my air conditioning was pretty favorite. I think that um, Larry hugging me um, after I was done eating the Chinese with them. Michael Richards giving me encouragement at my first rehearsal. I'm curious with the Chinese dinner. Did you go out to dinner with them or was that just no, did they have it delivered it to the in. studio? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> and you just hung out and had some Chinese food and just shared some stories right. and. Yeah. Yeah. It was like family. Very, very much like stand up. Uh, I, I had uh, hung out with stand up comedians uh, before that. And, and and that's their vibe. You know, it's very it's very that way. You know, everybody we're, we're bringing in food. Food is a big part of it. And, you know, back then, uh, the the writing room was as I said, all men except for Marjorie. And so it was a lot of a lot of guys, a very male atmosphere, but not in a bad way, just it just was. Um, and I remember I do remember feeling a little like I, I always got along with guys. It wasn't that, you know, but I do remember feeling a little like, oh, there's Marjorie. I'm going to hang on to Marjorie and Julia who was very nice, but she was a she was a star. I didn't feel like I could like sort of attach myself to her. So it was Marjorie and actually Shoshana, who Jerry was going out with at the time, was there all the time. And who was the most fun at the Chinese food dinner? Who was the life of the party that night? Um, I think really Jason. Um, I sat with Jason and, and Michael. You know, Michael was really nice and very, uh, very fun, but he just wasn't amped like that. He wasn't like Kramer, you know, but Jason, Jason was very, very talky. He wasn't like nebbishy like George, but but he had the energy of, of George. But he, he also wasn't like that. You know, he was he was cooler, you know, and he came from New York stage. so. It was very easy to hang out with him. But but Jerry was really nice, too. I mean, they were kind of all great. It was kind of like a, a, a big party and everybody was just having a good time, including the crew. I mean, everybody, there was no separation, as I recall. But I do remember being specifically at the table with the regulars, like that, that, that you're brought in in that way. And that just felt great. You know, you, it just gave you so much confidence. And like we mentioned before, you came back three seasons later to play Alice, one of George's yes. co-workers at Play Now yes. in The Butter Shave and The Voice. And you said you just they just called you and invited you back. You didn't have to audition yeah, or anything like that. So, no, this is so weird. I did not audition. You know, Brian Myers just called again and said they. Um, and, you know, honestly, I don't. I don't know the answer. Like, I don't know what precipitated that. I don't know if, because because Larry wasn't even on the show anymore. So I'm not sure where that came from. I don't know if Brian suggested, hey, you, you've used her before. But I do remember somebody saying to me that it was a bit like the Dick Van Dyke show, where they would have somebody come back that, that they just liked um, and have them do something else just because they'd already worked with them. They knew that they could rely on them. And it was like, oh, let's give them more to do. I think they honestly, 
The other thing piece might be that they felt a little like, oh, well, her shit got cut. <laughs> Let's give her another time. And then this got cut too, even though it was two episodes. But yeah, I, I, I think that there was also a little bit of that. Oh yeah, you know, because Jerry said to me, because in that first episode I did, I don't know, you've, you've obviously seen it, but um, the, like, I think in the scene, because Jerry made them redo my hair and they had made it into like this kind of helmet um, and he made them redo it, it was like a bit more loose. And so it kind of fell in my face. And I think it was very much in my, you know, in my face in the episode. So I do remember when I came back, my first day on the set, he said, um, there she is, the girl with the hair in her face. You know, because I think they said, I think either my agent or my agent had said to Brian and then Brian had said to somebody, you know, her hair was in her face. Can we get her back and not have her hair in her face? <laughs> so that could have been another reason. I don't know. I don't know what the mythology actually is there, but um, I do know that he said that to me. So it was certainly noted. And did the show feel any different compared to your first appearance in season six? It felt the same, but I did miss Larry. I have to be honest about that. I did miss him. He was very much, I knew he was in charge, you know, and he was very clearly the anchor. So I did feel that I missed him, but otherwise it was the same. And I do remember uh, talking to Jason and him telling me about his son was starting kindergarten, I think at the time. And he said, um, he told me this sweet story when we were uh, blocking, we were doing a blocking rehearsal and he was like, oh my God, it just broke my heart. My, my son said, dad, I don't want to go to college. I just want to live with you forever. Oh. <laughs> on his first day of kindergarten. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't have a kid at that time. So I was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. I was like practically in tears. But I do remember that from the from our blocking <laughs> rehearsal. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I do remember that was a harder thing to block uh, because... So I guess he had been fired from the Yankees and this was this job where he pretended to be disabled. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he had, yeah, he had a cane and, but so they kind yeah. of just assumed he was, he was yeah disabled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess that's what it was. It was the assumption was that, but we were all kind of really into him because we were being like extra, extra, about right. having this, you know, this was the diversity hire or something. <laughs> like, I guess that's <laughs> what that was supposed to be. But everybody was like kind of over the top, you know, catering to him. And I specifically, again, this was a bigger part, but I was supposed to have kind of an office romance with him that you don't see. <laughs> I think it just went into like a a, um, a video montage, like it was like a song, like uh, Sheena Easton or something, right? Yep. Yeah, that's okay. exactly what it was. Yeah, and there's okay. different. There's, yeah, it shows him interacting with different people, like him on the yeah. chairlift and somebody carrying him to yeah. his office. And yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you walk yeah. in on yeah. him like play fighting with his cane, and he, 
<laughs> and then I go and I cradle him. Like there's this whole, there was the whole thing where it was like, oh, let me take care of you. And my, my, my sweet, you know, we have this whole like, you know, Madonna and child moment. It's absolutely <laughs> absurd. Um, and then just the next week, it's like we find out that he's not actually disabled. Um, he's just this, you know, asshole. And so we start, <laughs> we start lambasting him. Right. Oh, that's great. This is the complete 180. <laughs> yeah, so it was absolute 180. I love when George compliments your dress and you're like, don't even look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting that you were his girlfriend in the episode. I'm never going to watch the episode. Oh, my God, was. And I was like, and people were like, oh, my God. So you weren't a Jerry girlfriend. You were a I said, no, every single I was I was a George girlfriend or a George thing. But in the in the first episode I did. There was a sort of Kramer situation. I had like a sort of, there was supposed to be a flirt situation going on between me and Kramer. Oh, um, interesting. Oh, all of that got caught. Wow. I need, to, I need to find that script because there was some, there was some thing going on. It was like, a, you know, he was very weird in the, you know, in the episode, you know, but there was something that, there was something that happened between us. I don't know. Well, if you ever find those scripts, you'll have to let us know. They're in, they're, they're in the files somewhere. Uh, <laughs> the different color the different color scripts, you know, the yellow and the green and pink. Right. That's really interesting. I'm definitely not going to look at those episodes the same now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there was supposed to be like a thing, which might have been also why he was so helpful now that I think about it, because he was like trying to like. You know, he was just really, really nice. I also remember his daughter came to visit, and she was really cool. Uh, his, she was an adult, or uh, older teen. Um, yeah, she was really nice. So out of the three episodes you appeared in, which one was your favorite? I'm going to say my first. Yeah. I'm going to say my first just because it was the first, and it was just such a new world to me. And... Um, so much happened in that week, and I was so impressed with how well run that show was, how kind and generous they were as performers. Um, what a great guy Larry David was slash is. By the way, I have not seen these people since, you know, uh, working on that, um, but I I just I just was really impressed. And and it was funny to me subsequently to look at the Curb Your Enthusiasm and see this this character. And I was like, it's so. It's so funny because it's like that's not that wasn't my experience of him. (laughs) Right. And before we move on to our final segment, is there anything we didn't ask you about your time on Seinfeld that you'd like to share with us? I told you about the fake kids. Um, <laughs> told you about the hair. Told you about Jerry eating cereal. Oh well, once in the second episode, um, costume wardrobe sent me to. They let me go to Bloomingdale's to get something to wear. It was a combo of something that they paid for there and my own thing. If you wore your own. Any of your own stuff, you got paid extra. That's just a thing. Um, 
so it was a combo of that, but I remember them saying to me, by the way, if you want to wear a girdle, we have one for you. And I was like, a girdle? Why? <laughs> and they were like, no shame. Julia's wearing one. Julia had just had a baby, you know? <laughs> it's like, right. um, excuse me? So that's the only thing that I can say. And I don't mean to bag on wardrobe, but they did they did offer me a girdle, to which I said, I don't think I need one, but thank you, I think. <laughs> All right. You respectfully declined. <laughs> I respectfully decline. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So before we let you go, we're just going to get into our final segment. It's called this, that and the other. So basically, we just ask you a question. And then the first thing that comes to mind, you let us know. OK. So first question, what is your favorite film? My favorite film of all time is The Wizard of Oz. Ah. Second will be um, a tie between Bob Carroll, Ted and Alice and Rosemary's Baby. Nice. Favorite band or musician? I'm going to go with Joni Mitchell. Oh, can't go wrong with that. Uh, favorite character on Seinfeld? I think Jerry. Nice. I can tell you we both agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he was just so charming. I mean, he was hilarious and perfect. What TV show are you currently binge watching? Um, currently binge watching The WeWork. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really good. I saw really the ads good. for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's really, really fun. Who was your biggest influence growing up? Um, Gilda Radner and um, Judy Garland. Makes sense. That, I mean, that was growing up. I mean, yeah. it's certainly it's changed. But yeah. <laughs> What is something you wish you were better at? Cooking. I'm really into cooking, but I want to, but I want, I would really like to actually take, like, I love it and I'm pretty good, but I'd like to actually take, oh, the other thing I'm binging is the Julia, the new Julia uh, TV show with. um, Oh, with David Hyde Pierce, right? And yes. um, BB Newworth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, But I, but I'd like to learn formal I'd like to formally learn to cook. I love cooking. Um, favorite book you've written? The the most recent one. It's called Almost Romance. Yeah, we wanted to ask you about that. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Yes. Almost Romance is a memoir of the 32-year Almost Romance I shared with one of my dearest friends, and how we were able to turn it into a real run, real romance with the help of the Grace and Frankie Writers Room and the denizens of a fabled but cursed Manhattan apartment building called London Terrace Gardens. It's a true life romantic comedy. Nice. And it's called Almost Romance, and you could it's available on Amazon, I assume. And it's available everywhere. It was ju- it just came out. It was just published feb- in February. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, um, everywhere where books are sold. And I do the audiobook. In fact, I do the audiobook of all of my books. And um, the Seinfeld story uh, is in my first book, 
which is called Take Your Shirt Off and Cry. And the Seinfeld story, uh, the chapter is called The Stuff That Dreams Are Made Of Because of the Stuff. <laughs> Love it. Well, we'll include a link for all your books in our episode description for anyone who wants to check that out. Oh, yeah, that, that would be great. I do, and I do the audiobooks. So it's all on, everything's on Kindle, um, hardcover, paperback, audiobook, the whole shebang. That's great. And before we let you go, we have one more question. Favorite moment of your career so far? Um, I'm going to say two because acting and writing. Um, I think my favorite moment of my acting career was when I was doing a play, a music, a play with music called Tinned Lettuce. And in the audience was Mikhail Baryshnikov, and he was screaming brava when I came out brava, and then he came backstage to meet me, and he was the poster in my bedroom as, when I was growing up, and he said, uh, your eyes made me cry, but your hands made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what he meant, but he was such a fox that I was like, who cares what he means? Um, <laughs> And I guess my favorite moment of of my writing career, gosh, there's so many, but you know, my my favorite moment was when Nora Ephron read my first book and wrote me this beautiful email saying um, that she loved it and just all these wonderful things and that she would happily blurb me in the future. Um, now that was just, she she and Carrie Fisher were my my idols as as a writer. So that was just huge. Oh, that's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. You had so many great stories of your time on Seinfeld. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, this was amazing. I, I feel bad because I'm like, I wish I I wish I, I ignored. I, you know, I have a pretty good memory, but it's that's a long it's a long time ago. And. Uh, I just hope that I. I'm, I'm glad that you think that there were enough stories. I was thinking, God, people probably have like way better stories than this. <laughs> like, no, you gave us some really great stuff during this interview. Oh, good. And yeah. And your performance is just so memorable. And the fact you said early on, you didn't think you it was quite your fit, like for what the cast part you were cast. I thought you were perfect in it. And oh, thank I, just, you. just those lines that you had, the way John Voight bit you, like, <laughs> it's amazing. It, it rings in my head. Yeah. Like so many, so many Seinfeld lines get stuck in my head, like song lyrics. And that's definitely one of them. That, that is what's, what's also funny is that people will, um, a lot of times I will get, um, texts now from people who are like, I just saw, you know, your episode. And I'm like, which one? <laughs> uh, but people will be like John Voight bit you know they'll just text me randomly John Voight bit you and I'm like is it on <laughs> because by the way the other the other great thing about it is I know it's playing because I still get residual checks <laughs> that's a great thing so many people have told us that too <laughs> oh my god it's so you know there have been times in my life since doing that Seinfeld and I'd be like really broke and need the exact amount that would show up i would be like oh my god jerry thank you so that now you should add that into you know what are some of my greatest one of my most uh my most favorite moments oh definitely well it was well deserved we could tell you that much 
And uh, we appreciate you coming on, telling us your stories. This was a lot of fun. We hope you have a great night. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you very much. And thanks for for asking me. Of course. Our pleasure. Take care. Have a great night. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at theplacetobeseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at TPTB Seinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease. Good morning. Go to hell. Hi, Alice, that's a nice dress. Don't even look at me. Hey, Glenn. Hey, go to hell. Heard that one already.